Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about the results of the Utrecht Netherlands special event, which took place this past weekend. We'll be looking ahead to the Charlotte Regional Championships coming up this coming weekend. We'll, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And we'll wrap up this week's episode with some really exciting news, some brand new cards that were recently revealed over in Japan. They should be coming out here for us in America sometime in June. Really exciting stuff. Some really good-looking cards. I'm definitely excited to be talking about those at the end of the episode. But we got a a lot to get to before we get to that point. My name is Chip Ritchie, and I'm joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing, man? How was your week? Doing pretty good, Chip. Uh, Pretty uneventful week. Old content stuff did watch a little bit of the regional that happened in Taiwan, and we probably would talk about that a little bit more this week if there was like, like a, a the results were like anywhere yet, like where we could see them. But I haven't seen anything yet as far as results go. Um, I think the only thing I saw on Twitter is that there were the first seed going to Top Cut, I believe, was undefeated with Guard War 11 and 0. I think they had 11 Swiss rounds into Top Cut, so. Okay. Guard for I've been seeing a lot of people hating on Guard for not hating, but like saying like the next inconsistent, it's not it. So maybe, but like I mean, that's that's pretty good showing, right? It is best of one. Um, that of course always adds like a uh, I think a, like a, a it's a negative on like the overall outcome of a tournament. Not like that is bad that they went eleven zero with Guard for in a best of one tournament, but I think best of three does add a little bit more depth to uh, tournament runs for sure. But yeah, we don't really have a list of results, or I wasn't able to find anything so. I couldn't talk too much on that, but that was cool to watch. There were some really cool Arceus decks. So Arceus lives, I believe, in uh, rotation. It was kind of initially written off by a lot of what I'd seen of people's testing and like what people have been saying. So that's cool. But besides that, yeah, nothing too uh, interesting happening uh, on this side of the, uh, or on my side of things. <laughs> on my side <laughs> of things, just uh, same old, getting ready for, of course, Charlotte this weekend. Yeah, kind of a, uneventful week for me to be honest as well i also watched a little bit of the taiwan regionals i watched it while you were watching it actually on your twitch stream and um yeah it was kind of interesting to see how yeah good choice yeah (laughs) um yeah i I chose that over like you know not being able to understand the other casters that you know were actually doing the event so my choices were pretty slim to be honest but (laughs) yeah um yeah, it was good. I mean, it was fun to watch that a little bit, get a little bit of a peek head into the new set. I really enjoyed this weekend on Twitter, seeing a bunch of people posting about their pre-releases at Scarlet and Violet. Let us know if you went to a Scarlet Violet pre-release this week. Did you get anything good? Um, I unfortunately was unable to go to one. I don't think as really cares to go to one. Um, <laughs> I normally like to try to go to a pre-release when I can. They're a good time, but didn't get to make it out this weekend, unfortunately. Um Oh, I think a lot did. more enjoyable since they added the battle deck. What are they starter decks? Whatever yeah. you call them. Yeah. You, I've you done get that once. An evolution pack in the kit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I remember pre releases when you just literally got handed seven packs and it was like, yeah. good luck. <laughs> <laughs> decks were so bad then. It was literally if you, you, you pulled an ultra rare and you played that ultra rare and. 39 energy cards. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only deck building option you could have um oh how far we've come you know yeah but uh building battles are a lot of fun i actually enjoy it and uh, it was cool to get to see some people getting it it, it seems like everywhere i saw on twitter and like even on facebook and stuff stores posting about their pre-releases 
they were like selling out their pre-releases pretty much everywhere. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of people are really excited for the new generation, which I think is kind of a common trend every single new generation of the game, right? A lot of people feel like the game's different, changed, or like people who used to play maybe want to check out what the new update looks like, right? So I think it gets a lot of people to come back in, but also gets a lot of people um, into it for the very first time. So always exciting yeah. to see those type of things. Seeing the game grow is always a good thing, right? Yeah, like that. And then also, like, I mean, we've been in the same format for so long. People just want to see something new and different. And then that is true. Uh, <laughs> I had another thing I was going to say, but I completely forgot. It got sidetracked. Oh, I guess the the new cards as well, like the new borders, silver borders, like mm -hmm. cool new cards in that aspect as well. I could could be a reason. I was actually like looking at the cards as far as like the collecting side thing of goes, the things go. There's no like like there's no I feel like there's no big card in this set for collectors. I mean, do people care about Maridon and Coridon or is, I don't I don't know. Well, yeah, there's like the alternate arts of well, yeah, each of them, but the like collector rares no or Charizard in this set. There's no Charizard or anything. Yeah, there's like full anything. art Miriam though. That's what people That's care about. True. Full art Miriam. Why they care about it? I'm not here to <laughs> speculate, but <laughs> I think we know. All but right. <laughs> with that, let's though, move on. Yeah. Talking about uh, Utrecht. I don't quite know how to pronounce it. I think I, that's pretty close, though. I had people telling me in chat the other day how to pronounce it. Um, so they're pretty close there. Utrecht special event. Um, before we even talk about the results, 700 players or 694. And I actually got curious uh, the other day as well. So I went and looked up what was the last relevant what was the last biggest relevant special event um and it was 350 players is basically what i found uh the one that joe bernard won special event paris it was 350 players um and so that's like the because like there's the the opens count as special events i guess technically like that's what um they're listed on his limit list is like so excluding the world's special events looking at just region-based special events outside of worlds mm -hmm. um special events the the biggest one before utrecht was uh, special event Paris, uh, Joe Bernard one that had 348. So basically double the amount of players for a special event. And me and you were talking about it. Well, there I was, was like one saying, on Bilbao this year as well. No, no, no not September. like the last special event, the last biggest one, the the biggest oh, sure. one before the before Utrecht was. Oh, I uh, understand what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So it's basically doubled in size, um, the new record-breaking special event. Um, yeah. Which is like that's kind of crazy. And like we we're I was talking about it last week, like. Sometimes not all the top players go to these, even if it's in their region, because it's a special event, not as much on the line. You know, like you win, you get like three booster boxes or a case or whatever. You don't get 5K. Uh, and this one had 700 players, which is just, that feels insane to me. That's so yep. many people who went to a special event. Yeah, it's a lot of people and people from all over as well. I mean, if we look at the top, I mean, just look at all the flags on the Limitless yeah. page, Germany, Belgium, France, Norway, Portugal, Netherlands, Switzerland, Great Britain, Italy, like Canada, even Canada. I mean, it just keeps <laughs> on going. <laughs> Keep going. Um, yeah. yeah, very cool to see. I mean, I think it's just like people are excited to play Pokemon. People just are. It's really cool to see, like, even with nothing on the line except for points. I guess that's probably the biggest thing, right? People, people yeah. want the points. That's the thing that they're after here. Because this, even though there's no money on the line, um, it is just about getting the championship points to go to worlds. And this is like for a lot of European players going to be one of their best chances. And especially some of the players who maybe didn't even get a ticket into their own international championships. They yeah. We're like, yeah, we got to hop over there to, to the Netherlands to make something happen. 
I think that is, I think it definitely does like, yeah, there's nothing else to play for right now as far as ways to get championship points. I think we will see, I don't think we'll see, like going to next season, I think it's fair to assume we'll get local events back that are worth championship points. I don't I'm not think assuming we'll see... anything at this point anymore. <laughs> I don't think we'll see like regionals numbers dip, but they might plateau a little bit. Cause like there definitely is like, if you're not going to any special events or any local events, you know, every weekend or every other weekend, you know, cause that's what it felt like sometimes that you could go to like local events every weekend, every other weekend, depending where you live, at least here in the States. I know it's a little bit different in Europe um, that uh, you're probably not going to go to as many major tournaments, right? Whether it be just kind of, you know, you get your, your fill of playing uh, IRL Pokemon or you have a different, enough ways to get championship points outside of the regionals. Like people are probably going to like two or three more major events than they would on average i would say probably yeah definitely yeah many factors leading to why the tournaments have been so so big recently and i hope the biggest one is just that the game is growing yeah um, i don't think yeah i don't think the numbers are going to decrease next season but i think we might plateau for a season where it's like yeah we got true. 700 players at a special event at utrecht if we hit that again next season i think that'd be great and then maybe after that we can look for some the season or two after that we'll look for some growth assuming we get special events back if we just only have major tournaments then i see no reason why we wouldn't be easily hitting these numbers every single time well, speaking of Utrecht, we can look at the results and we see here on the limitless page, first place, Nico Alabas getting the win with, <laughs> excuse me, with Arceus Duraladon. So this is Nico's third major event win. He won a regionals and he's won OCIC in the past, now winning a special event with Arceus Duraladon of all things, which I got to say is not a deck that I would have expected to see him choosing to play. Um, Especially, I think, like, didn't Robin play Mew or something like that, right? Like, and I feel like they usually work together. Yeah, but... Robin and uh, Philip were on a, a Mew build. For... They they brought the cups back. There was there was yeah. switching cups in their Mew deck. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> seen those in a while. Uh, it's like pure, like going for like a pure consistency build of Mew and just trying to out, like, execute your strategy every single time and hope that that's enough to beat your opponent kind of uh, kind of build. But yeah, Arceus Duraladon getting the win. And there's really nothing crazy in this list. It's pretty straightforward and standard to what we've seen. He's got the one Temple of Sinnoh in here, two Lost City. That kind of feels like where the variation in these Arceus Duraladon lists come from is what stadium do they choose to play? Um, I yeah, see it's kind of like in stadiums sometimes. But other than that, like these counts have pretty much become standardized for this deck. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, yeah, like the only thing I think you'd ever cut to maybe add room for anything else would be cutting one of the evolution incense but yeah it's basically the stadium count is the only thing that adjusts now that people have added like the choice belts kind of become a staple in the deck because it's good in the right. mirror match good against the dragonite um the only thing that's like changing is like what stadiums you play we saw zach lesage in top four uh week previous uh was it two weeks ago week ago week i don't yeah, week know week previous week previous yeah week previous with the triple collapse stadium well, cities, Temple of Sinnoh, definitely like seems to be, we've given up on Training Court and uh, Crystal Caves. That's for sure. That's no longer a thing. People were doing that for a while. That was kind of the go-to, but that's not happening anymore, like at at all. <laughs> we're, we're pretty much locked in. Either is it Lost City or is it Collapse Stadium? It feels like but that's like the only choice to make. Um, and besides that, you got like a pretty good. I mean, I have a pretty good 60, 60 card core. Like the stadiums are going to be stadiums. It's just which stadiums, right? So. Right. And Zach actually ended up going to Utrecht as well. Got top four in Vancouver, third place. And then went to Utrecht and got day two. Again, uh, 39th place finish with the same deck. Just played the same 60. Um, and I think if you're going to play Arceus Duraladon, like we said, like there's just not a lot of room to change stuff, it feels like. And it's just not necessary. It's not like a bad thing. It's just like 
yep. the deck is where it is and there's no reason really to adjust it. I mean, this meta is kind of played out. Um, <laughs> and it is it though? Because if we look at the well, rest of the results in the chart, there's three <laughs> Gudra in top eight, <laughs> and it gets a little bit crazier after that. But let's talk about the Gudra next because Vinny. Uh, got second place, Stefan, in another top eight with Gudra. Not getting not getting to the finals this time, losing in uh, top eight. I'm not sure top if four. Stefan lost to Nico or Vinny, uh, or losing think, in top four. I think he uh, lost yeah. the mirror, yeah. Okay, lost the mirror, it sounds like. Um, and the, the definitely the spiciest list was Stefan's, as far as the Gudra list go. I looked at all of them, and there's an Articuno in there, uh, <laughs> which is definitely interesting has to be for the lugia matchup of course i can't imagine like you're really trying to use that too aggressively in any other matchup but probably decent against lugia i guess like if they don't have the switch card or can't find it you kind of force them to have it on that turn uh but even then you're still getting that 70 damage in there which lines up pretty well i feel like for gudra's math like you can paralyze the stoutland stop that from attacking so you can clean it up next turn with the gudra paralyze the lugia in the active clean it up next turn with a choice belt or hit it twice with the articuno and then go into the gudra to clean it up so it can kind of buy you some time it feels like is the kind of the point of the uh the articuno yeah, and I think that this is like for I don't know, I would have thought going in for a Gudra deck to see a lot of success, it would have needed an innovation like that, like some something for the Lugia matchup. Because as it stands overall, like I mean, if we look at the way Vinny's list is built, it's pretty similar to just what we've seen more recently, right? Yeah. Um, with the double rocks and uh, the one Drapion and a lot of people really just don't feel like this deck has a great Lugia matchup. And I mean, it's probably not as bad of a matchup as I think people tend to it think to it be. is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It probably, the, the percentages probably do run a little bit closer than people think. I mean, triple temple of Sinnoh is pretty decent, obviously. Um, but I, I would have thought for a Gudra deck to really make a deep run, it would have needed some sort of innovation like the Articuno. So it's cool to see the Articuno, but also, it's not necessarily what was needed, right? Yeah, we see Vinny going with like a little bit more. Well, well, the Vinny's list actually, and I think um, so. Uh, I think Stefan ran this list as well back in Oakham. I want to say it is. Let me find this real fast. Something uh, similar. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Alessandro placed the highest with it, 16th place. But I think I saw a tweet from Alessandro saying that they talked to Stefan. If Stefan wasn't even at this tournament, I don't re really remember. So uh, sorry if I messed that up. But there's the Pokey Gear build. Because uh, we saw Safan oh, yeah, initially sure, doing sure. well, getting second with Gudra with the Luminium plus Quick Ball. And then we see Alessandro get top 16 at Bochum with a Pokey Gear build, no Quick Ball, no Luminium. And then we see that kind of being innovated on a little bit further. And also, this is also another uh, tournament, Bochum. Actually, there was a different Gudra list that did get second place. <laughs> that was with the Quick Balls and the Luminium. Um, and now we see the Pokey Gears. Uh, coming up again, though, in Utrecht, in Vinny's list and Stefanza's. Vinny, both of them going down to two Pokey Gear. Um, and then we see like the big difference is just the second Raihan in Stefan's list, plus some more water energy, one less ordinary rod, and then playing the, that Articuno to try and give you like another route into the Lugia matchup, giving you like another another kind of option to play with that your opponent has to kind of deal with and play around uh, and stuff like that. Um, and I mean, I guess, I don't know, it's weird. Like, are the Gudras the reason the Lugias didn't make cut? Because if we look at top cut, you know, there's a three Gudras there. Um, and I guess Lauren's list we could talk about as well, real fast with the Gudra. There is the Quick Balls and the Luminion in this build. So it kind of like if like one kind of build of Gudra made top eight, it would be like, okay, that's the build. But there's like three, I guess not really three different. There's like two different builds. Is it better with Luminion Quick Ball, or do you think it's better with the uh Pokey Gears? Yeah, I think I would probably lean towards the Pokey Gears. I mean, obviously, results-based as well. They did finish better, right? But, yeah. um, you know, Stefan's just one of the premier best players in the entire world. 
And so I trust his testing process, right? And if he got yeah. to the point where he seemed like seemed to feel like this was a bit more consistent. And it also like I feel like when I've played Gudra as well, it's not infrequent enough that that Luminion loses you the game, right? Or becomes yeah. not not that it loses you the game, but it gets you too far behind almost, right? Just because yeah. it's two prizes. Sure, you can aqua return it, but if you aqua return, then you're not using rolling iron and then it's easier your your gudra is a little bit more at risk right so um and also anytime it, it's always interesting i've always i see people talk about like in these some of these mirage gate decks it's like yeah you can just get your luminion out of play but using a mirage gate to just put energy on luminion and then put all the energy back into the deck feels like such a mid use of <laughs> of mirage gate sometimes you know yeah, and then you didn't attack with your Gudra for turn, so it's kind of a sitting duck. You're not taking the reduced AD damage, um, and you're just like, well, just hit me. You can hit me as hard as you want now, and that, like, because the, the point is like, you get your Gudra set up, you attack with it, so you know you're taking that reduced damage. Um, and yeah, I guess the other thing to mention is like the Stefan and I think Lawrence as well only played the the three Mirage Gate, which after playing some Gudra this week myself, I think three Mirage Gate is probably all you need, especially if you're not running the Luminion, so you're never like kind of doing that. Use a Mirage Gate to use a Luminion. Three Mirage Gate feels pretty. Uh, pretty reasonable, especially like in Stefan's list or even Vinny's says you have that Raihan in there as well. But if we look at the rest of the top eight, like I was saying, only one Lugia. And of course, it was toured with the Lugia in here. But what, what, like, are the there's three Gudra in top cut. So that's taking up a decent amount of space. A couple of Mews as well. Are the Gudras the ones that are beating the Lugias? It feels so weird. I feel like this is like almost feels like an anomaly. Like, I don't, it doesn't feel like we should go from Vancouver where there were six Lugias in top cut and then another one two three roughly in top 17 and then they're definitely sprinkled out through the rest of top cut and then we go to utrecht and it's like there's one lugia in the top 19 decks right or two lugias in the top 19 decks we'll call it there um one two three four five there's like five in the top 32 it just feels like such it feels like it's not like people are going more out of their way to tech for lugia it just but why does that happen is it just like the is it just like uh unaccountable back and forth in the in the universe of pokemon that it's like uh the law is lugia must dominate this tournament but then must not dominate the next like what is this it feels weird because it feels like everyone almost everyone seems to agree gudra is unfavored to lugia lugia is the most popular deck i don't think the numbers were probably change here you check i haven't seen the percentages but it was probably 30 percent day one close to 40 percent day two it's um, actually 30 percent day two Okay, Based I mean, still pretty high, right? Stuff. Yeah, then sure, where, sure. Where, where are the Lugias? Where are they? <laughs> Is it more of the good players maybe just putting it down? Well, and it also could just be a situation as well of, um, you know... The matchup is probably not worse than 60-40, right, in Lugia's favor. It's still pretty good. It is good. It is good. But is it unreasonable for, like, several people to roll 40% two times or, like, have games that tie, that get them close enough, and then they dodge the Lugia matchups? Like, it could just be a perfect storm of situations that lead to this. But, like, also, we can't forget that in Toronto, uh, Kobe got second place with Gudra just in Vancouver, you know, the yeah. week before that. Or, yeah, Vancouver. What did I say? Toronto? Toronto yeah yeah, yeah. in Vancouver, <laughs> some other canadian city right <laughs> but it just but, feels it feels like an anomaly where it's like people aren't it doesn't feel like people are actually teching more for lugia but then it's shifting back like so many tournaments this year we've seen the shift right where it's like six in top cut one in top cut six in top cut one in top cut or like roughly those numbers right yeah it feels like that's like an anomaly to me like that shouldn't happen uh well i mean i think if you go a little farther down though that you can see that the field maybe had a few things that were a little more volatile. Like we've got Carl Peters with the dedicated paralysis and Tellian deck got yep. 12th place. We've got a couple flaffy toolbox in day two, which, you know, if it hits the Lugias that just have the one switching card or 
sometimes not even playing any switching cards. Sometimes they just come out on top there. Um, Mew as well. If Mew just wins enough coin flips, like there's a lot of Mew in day two. I don't know what the numbers look as far as Aerodactyl goes. We actually could look at that real quick. Of the yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe the I do think Mew is like slightly favored against Lugia, like like fifty two percent maybe or something. <laughs> sure, um, but maybe Actually, you're right. Maybe the majority maybe the... though, the majority though, did not play Aerodactyl. Aerodactyl the one yeah. one Aerodactyl is in twenty one percent of the day two Mew lists. Yeah, there's actually a Drapion in one of the top eight Mew lists. So they were prepared for all the other Mew players. I haven't seen that in a while. Um, <laughs> but both the lists were pretty straightforward. It's kind of like the lists that we saw uh, do really well back to back in san diego into bokum um which there is like were two forward. people in utrecht that were playing me with drapion in it <laughs> oh my gosh they just they knew something and no one else did i guess yeah yeah i mean yeah it's interesting maybe maybe the meta was more hostile than i'm thinking because as you do reach out of top eight it's like okay yeah. Gudra's not that hostile towards lugia it doesn't seem oh it doesn't seem like it, but maybe the matchup isn't as uh favorable as anyone thinks it does kind of feel like that way sometimes where there's kind of like a a notion that's kind of projected throughout the community and maybe it's like generally how genuinely how some people feel but then it kind of like everyone latches onto that idea of a matchup being one way when it really isn't actually that favorable or unfavorable um and it's just kind of like that's what people are saying so that must be true right like someone said it first and someone just kind of agrees with it and it just kind of carries on and not enough people actually tested the matchup so maybe it's not actually that bad uh, but in my testing in my playing of it personally i do feel like it is slightly unfavored or like it's unfavored for Guja. If you could avoid Lugia all day, you'd be you'd be chilling. Um, so based on about the, yeah, oh, go well, ahead, go ahead. Just yes, one other. more point on this. Based on the one thousand games played of this matchup on play limitless in this format, the online tournaments, the Lugia is favored fifty two percent, fifty two point six three. So that puts it probably a little bit closer than maybe people think. But I think also as well, there has to be a little asterisk there because you can't. This is not like the perfect number, the definitive. This is yeah. the matchup percentage, right? But it is still something good to reference, I think. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And also, interestingly enough, Mew, 48% win rate for the Lugia. So that puts it at that 52 that you said as well, favored for Mew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just 52. And maybe that's all that Gujar's unfavored is. Maybe it's just like a 52. Um, but yeah, speaking of the one Lugia that may cut, it was toward with Lugia. So staying true to the Lugia, uh, this whole format so far. And the list was interesting for sure. Not because there was anything cool in it, because there was nothing cool in it. And it literally was just probably close to maybe the most like straightforward Lugia list you could possibly play. 17 energy. The funny thing I think, the thing that I think is funny about Tord's list is it has 17 energy in it, which most people are like up to the 16 number now. But still not playing the V guard energy. <laughs> still anti V guard. Committed. Uh, yeah. We had nothing spicy at all, right? Really not. I mean, he he does have the four three Lugia line, so like the majority of lists going into this were at three two. It mm -hmm. feels like right. Um, so it has the four three. But other than that, yeah, I mean, it's just maximum. This is typical toward maximum consistency, right? Yeah. <laughs> what we're used uh, okay. to seeing on his end. Of course, that is going to end up in some unwinnable scenarios and matchups, which we saw toward hit. Oh, that's right, because Tord did play against Nico in top four, so it had to be Vinny versus Stefan. And Tord even tweeted out before the top four match started, um, uh, about to start top four and ready for a swift exit or something like that. Because <laughs> yeah. no vacuum to deal with the parasol once it gets a, once a parasol gets on a derailed on the game literally just ends and nico would just win eventually so 
um, pretty like almost an impossible matchup for Torch to try. Like Nico doesn't even have Nico. to put energy cards on it. Doesn't even have to attack. Yeah. If if Nico just and Nico assumedly had knowledge of this as well, because also if you look at towards picture he posted on twitter right above it is nico where nico was setting up to post his picture so like you know these guys were cool with each other kind of knew the situation i feel like um, oh they get the i didn't realize they got the that's cool that they got the medals for it i thought those were only for regionals so that's cool that they oh, actually got it is interesting. and it actually even says regional on it you probably can't see it but right huh. there it does still say regional i mean i definitely feel like special events especially with how big they've gotten to at this point should definitely count as you know they're, they're like i like to like think of like I was ICs and regionals as like major tournaments in the Pokemon TCG, like major wins. I think, I think like, I mean, special events, I think fit that category at this point as well with how big they get. Sure. So, I mean, I think cool it depends on medals. how big it gets, right? Like, I mean, if you, you label know. one of them as a major, you got to label all of them as a major. And even when you're looking at like the smaller ones are usually in situations where it's like, they'll have regionals about the same size anyway. So sure. I mean, at that point, you know, all the best players are still showing up. Uh, it seems like at this point. So, Major dubs are major dubs at this point, I think. Or I think they count as major dubs, and at that point, a major dub is a major dub. It doesn't matter what size the special event is. So I think um, this is really interesting because toward obviously, this is the most recent Lugia list that did really well. But I still would say going into Charlotte and then even looking forward to Fort Wayne, the last regional championship of this format, um, I would say the majority of people will not look at this oh, no. like will not even change things similar to this list like sure there will be no. maybe someone out there who cuts both vacuum and just goes with the four three lugia but i would say the majority of people are going to lean more towards ian rob's list from vancouver i mean no vacuum you only have the pumpkin like even up against the gudra matchup you're gonna like the sinos can become a problem you only have a pumpkin right like well, yeah, remember, Lugia can discard the stadium. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, you, that's what you mean. You're forcing him to attack with Lugia instead of having the option of a Yvitol for turn or something, right? Sure. Um, so, you, like, take that away. So, I yeah, I don't think anyone's going to really copy towards list. You might see a couple people playing it. But, like, I do think if your goal is to win the tournament, the tech cards, I do think, kind of reign supreme a little bit. Um, like, I'm a big fan of consistency when I feel like the power of your deck uh, can overcome the lack of tech. Um, and I think we saw that. I mean, that's when Tord won LAIC. That's why I think it's strongest. Going into new formats, I think, is when um, consistency is usually greater than tech. But I think tech, as a meta develops and forms, tech, as, hard, as long as your goal is to win the tournament, tech becomes more powerful once you have a once you actually can like kind of evaluate how powerful your tech is, right? Because going into a new format, you're like, I'm going to tech for Mew. And it's like, if Mew is not a deck in the new format, you have two Drapions or a Drapion on your deck that did nothing the whole tournament, right? So, And I think it depends on how wide open the format is. Like, if you look at something like the Lost Origin format, where yeah. the meta percentages between the top decks ran a lot closer, then you maybe want to lean more into the consistency yeah. aspect. But uh, yeah, in agree. a situation like this, where we've got a dominant deck that's 25-plus percent of the meta every single tournament, and then there's a standardized list between five cards, right? Um, I think. And then also, like, you know... A deck like Arceus Draladon is going to be at the tournament, or you know yeah. that Mew Path is going to be at the tournament. Um, having I mean, outs to those things, yeah. Is, I mean, I think definitely, usually... uh, Arc definitely established itself as a <laughs> as like a deck. It almost feels like if you want to win a tournament, you kind of have to beat it's in the top eight every time. There's one or two of them. You know, it's a really annoying deck that has like really annoying win conditions that kind of doesn't let you play the game depending on the deck you're playing. So, yeah, you definitely have to need uh needs need it now we even see like the gudra decks playing the choice belt as well like which is good in mirror as well as the gudra like that that choice belt math really lines up really well but it's also really good against arctura so um so yeah i think yeah you're gonna want the 
going to want the tech cards. Right? I think we'll see very few people copy if anyone copies towards us, to be honest. Um, because yeah, I think the techs, I think a lot of people like their techs. I think that's, I think it's almost like a downfall to a lot of players as well, though. They refuse to ever go the consistency route when it's like correct. And they, they always want their tech cards. But what if I hit Arctura or what if I hit this or what if I hit that? They might have an SQ. It's like, well, you sometimes want to give up on the, some of the 2%, 1% matchups to be a little bit more consistent, right? There's like kind of like a balance to it. And then probably the most interesting deck as we move down to the top eight is uh, Bernardo Diaz getting top eight with the Arceus Intellion. Talk about a blast from the past <laughs> with the Beedrill, the single strike mustard, the Beedrill and a Radiant Charizard in here as well. It's actually kind of funny before the podcast, we were talking about some of these decks and stuff. And I said to Azul, I was like, I'm pretty sure you could have played this same 60 cards at a tournament one year ago with the exception of the Radiant Charizard. <laughs> like, this is yeah. literally, like, something, a, a true blast from the past, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, this is, like, basically, uh, it looks very similar to the deck that uh, uh, Bradner got second with at Indiana yeah. Regional. It's, like, not too different, not too far off. Um, but, yeah, I, like, I've, like, thought about and talked about this deck with people throughout this format a little bit. I think the one thing that comes up as being a struggle pretty consistently is the Lost Box matchup. Because, I mean, Disintelion decks in general can kind of get picked apart by Lost Box decks. Um, they have, like, the backup of, like, potentially, like, a Rayquaza that can, like, one-hit KO you or the Dragonite that's going to hit really hard. Um, so once they deal with, like, your your gimmicks, your Intellion stuff to take away your big combo plays, they just start hitting, wailing on you with, like, something like that. Like, the Lost Box, I think, is kind of the hindrance of this deck. But I, like, I played with it quite a bit the other day. And your Lugia matchup is still close. Like, even though you got the Beedrill in there, there's so many one-prize attackers. And they're threatening you from so many different angles. So the Stoutland's still a big deal. You have to get your Manaphy in play, or you could get Raikou. They're always one at KO in your Arceus. Like, you got the Bees, you got the Charizard as, like, really efficient attackers that can take some really big knockouts. But the matchup, I think, against Lugia is still pretty close. You're probably slightly favored. Um, and then against, like, stuff like Mew, though, like, your Mew matchup's really good. Um, the Mew cannot handle the B prize trade at all. So... Yeah. Um, I will say though your Gudra matchup is terrible. <laughs> like that's awful. <laughs> but no, the deck I think is actually pretty decent. I don't think it's like the new the new deck that everyone has to look out for and tech for. Um, because yeah, I think it's got it's got its bad matchups. But with like like I think like going to this tournament specifically, we can even look at like you just scroll down. Where's Lost Box at? Right, none. Yeah. It, the highest placing one was 11, so not too far off from potentially making cut. Um, but there's just not that many in day two in general, to be honest. So like that's like not a not a big deal for it. If Mew and Lugia are going to be the two most popular decks moving forwards, and then maybe the two most successful, uh, that does leave this deck in a pretty good spot. And it seems like, uh, um, yeah, could be. I mean, it could could be we could see it place again. We're definitely moving forward. I feel like if if anyone's going to try and go out of the way to pick it up, which is going to be the main question: is anyone actually going to play Arceus Petrol moving forward? Doesn't does it even matter how good it potentially is against Lugia and Mew? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've seen at regionals as I've walked around, like I've seen the Arceus Intellion deck once in a while at a table. It's not a common pick by any means and is not something that has ever had tournament success in this format. Um, or not that I can really remember, maybe like a th top 32 finish or something like that. But yeah, um, yeah, I mean, definitely really cool. Beedrill is just a super strong card. And obviously everything in the Lugia deck plays special energy. So you're going to get that knockout on the Lugia. Like you said, the Mew matchup. I mean, you don't even have to play Drapion, which we see is not even in this deck because no. you just get the double B drill and there's nothing they can really do about it. You've got vacuum to get rid of the parasol. They usually only play one. And then worst case scenario as well, you've got radiant Charizard to just kind of <laughs> take two prizes on a Genesect at some point. Like, so 
yeah, it seems like a solid deck overall. And, you know, you have one of the best support engines in the history of the game in the Intellian Drizzile engine. Yeah. You've got Arceus V-Star, which has one of the best abilities in the history of the game <laughs> in Starbirth to be able to set up whatever you want. And it's a really solid attacker as well. So, yeah, very cool deck. Congratulations to Bernardo um, on the finish. Definitely, I think, kind of the standout deck of the weekend, for sure. The most surprising thing, without a doubt. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it was going to be tough for them, I think, to get through this top eight. Like I said, I think the Gudra matchup's tough. Arcturus uh, there's a lot, a lot probably, of them up there. Eh, it's probably not I don't, that one's, either. That one's, like, manageable because of the Charizard. I, for one, like, I actually hit one on ladder the other day. And I was, that one felt manageable because of the Charizard, like, towards the end game. Like, it's probably close to, like, 50-50. Because you, your first Arceus is hitting their Arceus with your double turbo. Then you set up an Arceus with three basic energy, so... Maybe it would um, feel better if there was, like, a Clara or something like that in the deck to just get two uses of the Charizard, right? Yeah, I mean, ordinary route, but that is definitely like a higher, a steeper, uh, or a harder oh, yeah, thing to kind of pull off. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, yeah, the deck's pretty cool. Um, I think it has like a, a decent amount of matchup, and like the biggest thing that I was like, like you have like a good Reggie matchup too. You got the 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 infamous uh, Dunsparce Manaphy to beat Reggie <laughs> that, that everyone tries to utilize. Like you got the you got the Reggie matchup on lock. It's just like Lost Box feels like the tough one, but yeah, Lost Box on the decline for sure right now. So, um, and then yeah, to kind of close out the top eight, we had two Muse. Uh, we mentioned them a little bit. One at Drapion, not, neither of them anything special, and that's the uh, you know the top eight from uh, Utrecht. Yeah, and we can look at our predictions as well from last week. We had the over under for Lugia in cut at four point five. Azul took the over. <laughs> Your boy took the under and got it right. Let's go. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think I, I don't think like if you put the over under at like. 1.5 right we're both taking the over every time like one yeah, yeah lugia in top eight is definitely the big surprise here and then for yeah. non lugia deck to make top eight azul picked mew i picked lost box and azul was correct on that one yeah man i mean mew's always gonna be able to hang lost box is not it's been struggling recently though i'm gonna try and i'm gonna try and change that though hopefully oh, a little <laughs> precursor into what's to come this weekend and speaking i mean I'm always down to, to play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm always down to play Lost Box, but last tournament I ended up playing Lugia. So who knows? <laughs> yep. And speaking of what's to come this weekend, we do of course have the Charlotte Regional Championships this weekend. I'm excited for this one. It's my home state. I live in Raleigh. Charlotte is about three-ish hours away from Raleigh, so be driving down Friday morning sometime. Be hanging out at the convention center during the day on Friday. So looking forward to it. Um, always nice whenever you have a close regionals and. Um, yeah, just overall looking forward to it. I, I have good memories of Charlotte regionals. I got top 32 with one of my favorite decks I ever played at a tournament back at Charlotte regionals in 2018, which is the Zorro counter box deck. I was a big fan of that deck. I worked on it kind of by myself and, um, what looked deck at was some that? lists online. Zorro counter, like the counter energy deck with like pseudo Wudo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Deck, Cartana yeah, yeah. GX. One of my all time favorite deck. cards. Literally Cartana terrible. GX. No <laughs> shot, dude. The deck, the deck was, was so, so bad. I remember. I remember we played games the night before the tournament. You and me? Oh, no. That was at St. Louis. That was at St. Louis. I just beat you up with Buzzrock like over and over again. We played a couple. I don't remember this. That was St. Louis. Though. That was a different. Uh, I don't remember. Tournament. Must not have happened. Must not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah charlotte's coming up i think the biggest question i think to ask initially is uh i, I mean i said last week i didn't think gudra was a good play i didn't think arc dura was that good of a play utrecht comes around dura wins gudra three gudra in top eight i don't think we'll see this replication of success from gudra 
Um, but it feels like it has to be a deck that can be respected from here on out that could push for a top eight every time, pretty much, right? Yeah, it definitely should be respected. I mean, it got second in Vancouver and then three top eights here. Yeah, it should be on everyone's radar. Um, I think the question for me is going to be, are we going to see the meta share jump way up again like we did for Orlando? We kind of found ourselves in a similar situation as we did in Orlando, right? It did super well at a European event. And then coming into Orlando, it was kind of like the new hot deck. Everyone played it. It was something like an 8% meta share deck. And it didn't do yeah. that good. There was one in top 16. No other ones did great. A couple in top 32. And then it kind of died off for a little while. Then we see a couple of finishes here and there. And then, boom, three in the top eight of a European <laughs> event. Are we going to see it be, um, you know, because it had dropped down to like a 4% meta share deck. It had been cut in yeah. half pretty much. Are we going to see it jump back up flirting with that 10%? I don't think so. I don't think we'll see it push that hard, but let me see like an increase from what we had been seeing. You know, at, five to six uh, probably other North American events, right? Yeah, it'll probably be around a five or six. And that's what I expect. Actually, I think Ardura will see the bigger increase. Um, How much Ardura was there at? What was the most recent regional? Knoxville? No, Vancouver. How much Ardura was there at Knoxville? It was like a 5 percent or again, So that's right? the interesting thing is that they've both been, Ardura and Gudra, for like both of these most recent tournaments, have been right there with each other on the meta share. Four or five. One. It's been no, it's been like five, six or okay. six, seven. Even it's like yeah. one of them is on the graph, one of them is the next one off the graph. But it's, uh, I think it was in Knoxville or something like that. Arc Gudra or sorry, um, Gudra was on there at fifty three people playing it, and then yeah. Duraladon was fifty two people playing it. It was just right off, right off the chart. So like, yeah these no i think that it's probably going to be something similar like they're going to be eight. the two de decks next to each other but they'll just both have increased in play <laughs> yeah probably we'll probably see like seven eight maybe eight nine eight nine seems like a lot i feel like we've had it seems like arc dura never had its hype tournament like every because this existed for so long i guess and it has had i mean that's not like guja's success has been like that much better than arc Dur's, but guja was like a newer deck that everyone thought was dead and didn't exist and it's like oh no it actually is a deck and it's actually kind of good and kind of cool well, um, Arctur did like... actually win a regionals. Gudra has not done that yet, and Darkter also did win this special event, right? Wait, so... What regional did it win? It won uh, Milwaukee last year, right before NAIC. Remember? Oh, okay, but that's like a, I thought you meant like this this season. No, yeah, no, yeah, no. yeah, it did win last season. Yeah, um, yeah. So Arctur has been around for so long. I feel like that's one of the reasons it's kind of like it won't have like a hype event where it's like a ten percent deck all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, I, I think Gudra's had its hype. So I don't think it's going to all of a sudden like have a big influx, but yeah, maybe seven, eight percent on like each of them between seven and eight, six and seven. I don't know. Somewhere in there, I think we'll see them. I still wouldn't play either of them, nor would I overly recommend you play either of them. But I think I mentioned this last week as well. I was like, if you are playing Gudra and you feel like you're favored against Lugia or you like you have some way to make it favored, then that seems like a pretty good play to me. Um, but I haven't been able to find that. And even with three of them in top eight, I don't have, I probably won't be revisiting Gudra at all. Um, but if it makes you revisit it, I mean, as long as you can pull at least a 50-50 against Lugia, the deck's pretty good, right? But I, I feel like it's still not quite there. So I, I, I'm still not a huge fan of the, the Arctur or the Gudra, but I think we'll see a little bit more play out of both and probably a decent amount of success out of both as well. Let's also not forget that its Mew matchup can be questionable. Obviously, you have Drapion, right? And well, I think the, the Gudra's 50-50. Arctur does not have a good Mew matchup if they have the Horn, but I think no, Gudra's still yeah. like 50-50. Sure. Um... Okay, one uh, a question I just thought of that I wanted to ask. So let's say you're someone who played a lot of Arceus and Tellian last season, right? It was one of your go-to decks. You know, it was <laughs> there was three. It was a three-deck format for a while, right? We had the Mew, we had the uh, the Palkia, and we had the Arceus and Tellian. 
Um, Great format. Yes. So, so good. Better than this one, worse than this one. (laughs) But let's say you're someone who really enjoyed playing Arceus and Tillian last format, or you at least have a lot of experience with it. You haven't given it much thought going into this one. You're sick and tired of Lugia. You're sick and tired of Mew. Is now the time? Is seeing uh, Bernardo get the top eight all that you need is someone who really enjoyed this deck in the last format to give yourself a, an excuse to pick it back up and run it back for this weekend or maybe Fort yeah. Wayne even in a couple weeks. I think if your goal is not to win the tournament, then yes. If you're like trying to make day two, maybe push for a top eight, 16, 32. If you're like, if you're like comfortable with that, then I think the deck's actually like pretty good. I, I think I would struggle. I would, I'd be hard pressed to say that this deck is a deck that could push for a, a win in a tournament, but you never know what could happen, right? If you just get to top eight, I mean, I don't know. I feel bracket, like, like, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, of like, course. if you yeah, think but it's I feel a deck like... that has the potential to make top eight, then it's got the potential to win the tournament, right? Well, I, but, I, but I mean, like, if you see a Lugia make top, if you say a Lugia make top eight, no matter what the bracket is, you're like, oh, they can win, right? Like, it's a difference, yeah. right? So I don't think, I think this deck would struggle to win a tournament, whereas I think something like Lugia, but I wouldn't recommend playing Lugia either. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, if your goal, if your, if your goal is not to win the tournament, but just kind of play the deck, I think it has got a good matchup spread against enough decks where it's definitely like a good deck, to, a solid deck to like push for day two, even top 32 or top 16 and so on. But definitely not a deck that I would predict to be a good, a good deck to pick to try and win a tournament for sure. Um, but yeah, really cool deck. If, yeah, if you like the Arc Intel stuff, then I would say, yeah, definitely, definitely go for it. If that's kind of your criteria for why you'd pick a deck. So a deck that didn't do that well in Utrecht, but has been pretty played. It honestly didn't do the best in Vancouver either. There was only one person in day two with it, though Cameron Chinoy did get ninth. It is the Vikavolt. Um, there were three Vikavolt, it looks like, in day two of Utrecht, but none of them did the best. It Its best finish was 51st, and then it was 54th and 62nd. So really just kind of down at the bottom end of the day two bracket. Why do you think it kind of fell off a little bit for this one? I actually wonder. I'm going to look real quick. Did these guys play the... None of them... Oh, there's a Dragonite in there. They're ready for the Gudra. Oh, yeah. I was looking for the Crushing Hammer. I didn't even look for the... <laughs> for the Dragonite. Oh, actually, yeah, what is crazy. better to be ready for... Is it better to have Crushing Hammers or, or Dragonite for the Gudra matchup? I don't know. We saw Shinoi kind of dismantle one with the uh, the Crushing Hammers. It seems yeah. like these V-Quals did not have as much success. So maybe Crushing Hammers is the secret to the, the Gudra matchup. But I think yes. with the, like, speaking of V-Quals, like, yeah, that hype definitely died. I expected it to be way more popular in Vancouver. That was kind of a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, But now with this new, like, resurg- like not resurgence, but, like, the Gudras and the Arcturas, I don't know if I would play V-Quals, like, going forwards for right now. Um, I mean, if you feel like, the, I don't think the Crushing Hammers really get get it, get the matchup, like, over against Gudra, really. Um, or Arcturus. So I think those are both still bad matchups for Vikavolt. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I'm still not a fan of the, the Vikavolt as a play. I, I don't think I'm a fan of it right now. I was a little bit more of a fan of it uh, previously. Um, and I've done a little bit more testing with it as well. Like Reggie's is also a deck that I feel like you're not favorable against as uh, as Vikavolt if your opponent plays well. But uh, one thing I want to want to point out because uh, <laughs> I just saw one of them made day two in Utrecht um, was the and and the deck basically disappeared off the face of the earth. Etern Weezing. Just want to say it's still a terrible deck. Definitely a player diff for um uh oh my gosh. I'm completely oh uh Salazar. Yeah, Salazar. <laughs> Definitely a player diff, not a, a deck diff for why Salazar got second at Knoxville. Etern Weezing is awful. Uh if your goal is to <laughs> win any games of Pokemon, do not play the deck. Any <laughs> games of Pokemon? Geez. Any game. That that's what I, I predict 03s and 04s. 
And if you don't drop after that point, maybe you'll get like the no show. But um, yeah, no dubs. Uh, there was one in day two, though. There was one in day two. I saw the one. I was like, that remind, like, reminded me of the deck. And I was like, it got body in Vancouver. I didn't see any of them doing well. Maybe there was some in day two that I didn't notice. But uh, and then yeah, there's one in the lower half of uh, day two of Utrecht. So just wanted to take take <laughs> a moment to kind of put the Eastern Weezing down again whenever I can, whenever I can find an opportunity. Thanks for tuning into your daily dose <laughs> of Weezing Etern Hate. <laughs> um, a deck that we actually didn't talk about during our Utrecht discussion, but did have two day two finishes, is the Flaffy Toolbox. Uh, oh, I guess yeah, we, kind, yeah. we kind of mentioned it briefly. Um, so this is a deck that's popped up every now and then. It's kind of been a known quantity ever since that Australian tournament that it got top four, top four, second place, something like that. At least that. top eight, yeah. Yeah, it was. I think it was top. I think it was second place. Yeah, it was like the the water box versus the flaffy box versus in the, the flaffy in the GLC finals. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Australian tournaments are just GLC tournaments. <laughs> but yeah, we see a couple of flaffy toolbox in day two. Um, yeah, is there anything that's changed that makes this deck? any better you know is it worth someone potentially picking up in charlotte this coming weekend what are your thoughts i mean the deck is definitely fun to play yeah um i mean once again it's another deck that like has like a bad lost box matchup usually the decks that like can like like just body lugia just get bodied by lost box like you literally can't beat both the decks like heavily usually it feels like most of the time we've seen that kind of dynamic happen before uh in the uh, the TCG Force, that's like something new. Actually, the, both lists look pretty similar. Um, so maybe doing some cooking together. They both have like the Luxray V and stuff in here. Um, I think I mean, it's okay, right? Like, like theoretically, your Lugia matchup is going to be pretty good. Uh, the Paralysis, like e- even if they have a, a switch card, like a lot of people do, the Bird Keeper or the Escape Rope, you have so many Paralysis attackers, you know, it's yeah. not going to be able to get be enough to like get around the amount of Paralysis plus the type advantage. Um, oh, I didn't even realize. Yeah, the Luxray, the... the Luxray also paralyzes, which I didn't even yeah. realize. Yeah, but you're gonna come up a little bit short, I think, against stuff like like, like Lost Box. I said it's a terrible matchup. Reggie's seems pretty tough. Um, maybe you can do some paralysis shenanigans in that matchup. I don't even know how that would like work. You could like pal- uh, paralyze him with Luxray V. You could do 120. Hope they don't have a scoop up net, and then Yoga Loop, and then go back into Luxray V and kind of repeat the process. But like your Reggie matchup looks bad um i think you just it just really rides off of the good lugia the good lugia and the good Mew matchup right like that has to be what it's it's uh feeding off of quite a bit here your guja matchup i mean guja matchup is probably bad your arctura matchup might be fine though fine though because guja has so many switch cards but arctura has like two switch cards so you can eventually like yeah but arctura has big parasol but what you do have what you do have (laughs) though is raichu to just absolutely nuke the duraladon that's true that's true yeah so i don't know it doesn't seem great i think it's just kind of it's a cool deck that if you hit if you hit enough lugias and Muse, you're having a good time. If not, you're not. And I think majority of the time, you're not going to be hitting enough to actually like uh, do well enough with the deck. So it's a cool deck, but like you really need Lugia and Mew to be like 60% of the meta, which it just isn't. So, I mean, are we attributing a lot of the success of some of these decks to just like the, the Drill deck, like the Flaffy Toolbox, even like the Intellian Articuno deck? Are we attributing a lot of that success to like the decline of Lost Box, you think? I think um, part of it for sure. Yeah, it definitely has to be part of it. Um, but even then we see like like these decks that just kind of maybe maybe that's like that's what you were saying. Like these decks, they're doing better because there's less locks lost box. So they're hitting more Lugia, so they're destroying the Lugias. And then the decks that are like okay against Lugia, 
but destroy these decks are the ones that are actually winning. You got the Dura, the Gudra, right? Like those actually come out on top overall in this exchange. It's like, haha, I found a deck that beats Lugia. It's like, okay, well, you don't beat Gudra. So now Gudra gets to win the tournament or Arctur gets to win the tournament, right? So sure. like, you don't get to win the tournament. You just get to make way for the Gudra players. You kind of like, <laughs> or like the first line of defense. And then the Gudra players have to beat their one or two Lugias. And then they get to the top eight and the push for the win while well, you get to, yeah you end up in top 16 with your paralysis deck you like kind of cleared the path for them and that's like the the furthest <laughs> you're gonna get but yeah i think the decline in lost box definitely definitely is part of it right that's definitely why these uh these decks these paralysis decks um uh can can do well because they just get farmed by lost box lost box just absolutely destroys them so let's do our predictions then for Charlotte this weekend. We're going to keep the over under for Lugia and cut at 4.5, even though we're coming off of the tournament, tournament where it was just one. Like, I think that this is the lowest that maybe <laughs> the over under should be for this format, just based on kind of what we've seen so far. So over under 4.5 Lugia and cut. I'm going to go under on this one. Maybe I don't know if we're going to see that change here, though, in North America. I feel like there's too many Lugia heads yeah in in north america i feel like we're not going to maybe see that shift of uh more of the better players kind of putting it down which i feel like is what we saw a little bit at least in europe um even if they weren't switching to um because yeah we saw like the schultz's playing Mew and stuff like that so i'm gonna go under though four four 4.5 is still a lot that's a lot of lugias i need to make cut i plan on hopefully not playing lugia again uh, and i plan on being in cut so i'll be i'll be one of them i just need like you know a couple you said that a lot this year for the people to join me and it hadn't i'm trying i'm trying chip i'm trying (laughs) (laughs) i believe in you azul i believe in you Uh, i'm gonna go with the over here because i don't think that anyone who's been just dominating with lugia this entire format the hedricks the bradners the fintons like these people are not putting the deck down ian rob like these people are gonna play the deck again like almost definitely um and so i'm gonna i'm gonna just put my um put my bets on that that they're just going to keep rolling with the same deck and those players are going to probably be in top eight once again <laughs> um that's a pretty safe bet we didn't really speak much on reggie in the utrecht discussion but it did pretty decent throughout the tournament uh you were noting before we started recording that of the reggies in day two the majority of them were in the top 32 or like the top yeah, towards the top 40 ish or so so overall, Reggie did pretty solid over in Utrecht, and we're coming off of Vancouver where it was a 9% day one meta share deck. Do you think that um, Reggie's still pretty decently positioned in Charlotte? Like, I mean, nothing's really changed for the deck. And also, what do you think the best finishing, our prediction point is what is the best finishing Reggie player? Like what placement? Um yeah first when i read that thing that you, you when you have it i thought you meant like which reggie main will go the furthest like it's gonna <laughs> is it gonna be Fontenot or is it gonna be rahul yeah. <laughs> who's going all the way um i think i i actually don't i am not as hype on reggie as i used to be as being like a solid play because i actually think your lugia matchup is just uh slightly unfavored and if anything is if you're even slightly unfavored to lugia to me it doesn't make any sense to play the deck um so i do think you're slightly unfavored to lugia um unless you can come up with like some new tech for the matchup uh, a little bit, you should need a little bit. I mean, we've seen like the little bit of like evolution from like the escape rope and the boss being added, which gives some flexibility to the matchup. I feel like for sure, but I still feel like it's just not quite there. Now there's a Gujra. There's definitely going to be more Gujra than there would have been if uh, Utrecht hadn't had happened 
you really want to play Reggie into an event where Gudra is um, not as Orlando is probably the most hype it was going to be, but we could see Gudra easily push for like 8%. I don't want to be like a huge surprise, 7 to 8%. Like, you yeah. really want to play Reggie? Like, that is an abysmal matchup. It is just horrendous. I don't think so. I think Reggie's a Reggie should like definitely should, definitely should take a step back for this tournament um, and maybe uh, bring it back for uh, the final tournament in the in the format, uh, Fort Wayne. Yeah, I'm not loving Reggie's for this one either, um, to be honest. I mean, even stuff like the Mew and the Duraladons, right? It feels like m the majority of Duraladon are settling on the Lost City. I mean, that's what Nico won with. So if people are looking collapse to play it. Collapse is still it... tough, though, to be honest. Huh? Collapse is still tough, like the triple collapse. No, no, it, it might is. even be. It could be worse, to be honest, because with the Lost City, you can still attack. You know, like, it's easier to attack next turn, but with the Collapse, you have to find a counter stadium. Whereas with Lost City, it's like you can find, you can just like attack and maybe scoop up net the one that they lost zoned and just keep that in your hand till next turn, um, and then hopefully find a path later. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess if there's I ever an opportunity to go for like a, a, if there's ever an opportunity as the Arceus on player to go for like a boss on a, a round Gift Energy plus Collapsed play, like that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Even better than maybe Marnie Collapsed because you're still giving them Gift. So yeah um yeah so i mean i think both of us kind of agree reggie doesn't feel the best for this weekend what are you going to give the best finish though uh oops. it seems it, yeah, a top 16 would still be like pretty reasonable even a top eight like i wouldn't be surprised if someone top eight with reggie um i'm gonna go i'm gonna be pretty harsh so i'm gonna go with the top 32 the highest placing Ooh. reggie okay I'm counting on i'm counting on everyone else to kind of pull their weight here and actually like beat the reggie players that they should be beating no no misplays we're, we're taking them down this event I'm gonna give it a top 16. I think it's gonna be still reasonably enough played, and I think good people will choose to play it. And at least one person is gonna have a decent enough run. But yeah, I don't think we're gonna see it in top eight this weekend. And then last question: Will a B drill deck make day two? It's kind of the big unique deck this week. Is it something that will we see something similar to what we saw with Gudra? Right? It's the new hot thing. People are gonna hype it up, play it. It's gonna be on the uh, meta share chart day one on the tournament <laughs> i don't think it's one of it's weird because like um and i feel like the player that plays the deck and actually like even just like one round deeper or two rounds deeper will drastically change how people view a deck right so like stefan getting second at bokum is a lot bigger than bernardo getting top eight with the beach deck the name is there of course bernardo is a a very good player i think i've played bernardo against bernardo before as well Bernardo's a very good player um but you know, you can't argue against Stefan's name, right? Like bringing more hype to Gudra uh, after Bokum than Bernardo probably bringing hype to the Beedrill deck. Definitely. Um, so I, I feel, and also like even like the, even if Bernardo had gotten just top four or made it to the finals, there'd be such a bigger spotlight on the deck. I feel like I feel like when you fall in top eight, um, or if you're not streamed, I feel I don't think Bernardo's top eight match was streamed either. Um, then that can also like detract a lot of hype away from a deck unless people just like knowing about it or thinking about it or even giving it consideration. Um, and then some decks just in general outside of that, just like people, like even though it, even if it won, people just wouldn't play it. I feel like this is also one of those decks as well. So I don't think there's going to be much hype around it at all. Uh, maybe a couple people will play it just because they like Arc Beedrill and they see that there's some proof that it's still decent. So like, oh, okay, I really like that. Like, I'm going to go ahead and play it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say... Uh, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say there's no Beedrill in day two. I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say someone sneaks through being in that class. Of... I do think the deck is pretty solid right now. Let me look. Sure. Like I said that earlier, like I do think the deck is still actually like pretty reasonable. Like I said, if your if your goal is to just make like day two, then I think it's like a, a great choice if you like the deck. But um, yeah, I would say yeah. I'm gonna go with no in day two. 
I'm going with yes, because like I mentioned earlier, it just feels like maybe there's a chance someone uh, who played the deck last year really likes the deck sees that, oh, maybe it could still be decent and decides to roll with it. So that's I'm I'm leaning on the back of that. Maybe if Luke Morosa shows up to the tournament, he'll make day two with the <laughs> the arc B drill. Right. Yeah. Uh, Celio, uh, that's on the back of Celio there. Uh, any other thoughts going <laughs> into Charlotte or you think I mean, I think we've talked about all the decks. Um, I don't yeah. think anything changes for me. I don't think anything changes for Lugia, right? Lost Box is maybe still in a little bit of a questionable spot. It feels like people, it's kind of a deck without an identity still right now. I was distracted, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what was that, Chip? I said, I don't think there's anything that really changes. We've got Lugia and you are kind of the same. Lost Box still maybe feels a little bit like a deck without an identity right now. Yeah, I don't think there's really uh, anything else, really. Yeah, I think that covers most, pretty much everything. Well, let's roll in to guess that flavor text. Everyone's favorite segment of the podcast this week. It's Azul's turn to pick. So Azul, take it away. All right, Chip. Explain the game. (laughs) Let's get into it. Guess that flavor text. Me or Chip picks a card and reads the flavor text to the other person. And then they have to guess which Pokemon that belongs to. Um, And there are three lifelines that they can use. Uh, each lifeline you lose, you do get one less point. So if you get it without using a single lifeline, you get four points. For each lifeline you use, you get minus one point. Uh, and lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and then read an attack name. Chip, are you ready for your flavor text? I'm ready, and I'm ready to pull ahead because I'm currently down just one single point. So we're going for two points this week, getting back ahead. Okay. Uh when she's surrounded by cushions and dressers that I like, she looks just like a princess. Are you sure you didn't like pick up a one piece <laughs> card or something like that? <laughs> okay. So that, all right. That is a real flavor text. It's not going to be the one I'm going to use. Someone told me about these flavor texts. Wait, the generations cards. Oh, um, and I had to read one of them out. I wanted to just throw one at you, <laughs> but I what? have a different flavor text for you. It was just, it was just so ridiculous. Um, Wait, why did you yeah. not just go with that one? Because you were never going to guess what, what this is. What? Well, Actually, from, you know what? You might have. It's from but. Generations. That is helpful. Okay, but I'm going to go ahead and give you the real one that I picked out. Um, but they're just so absurd. I just, I just wanted to read one of them out and see what your reaction would <laughs> oh <my> be. <laughs> All right. The real flavor text for this week is, the water stored inside the tuft on its head is full of nutrients. Planets that receive its water grow large. Planets? Plants that receive its oh, water? Oh, plants. Did I say planets? <laughs> yes. Yeah, plants. All right, the tuft on its head is full of water. Um, I mean, water type Pokemon, most likely. It could be like a bug type, though, that like waters, like, you know, give, delivers honey to the plants and stuff, though. I mean, one of my first thoughts was Quaxley. And I think there is technically a Quaxley card because it's in a promo. But then Azul just made a really weird face when I said Quaxley. So I'm going to What's a Quaxley? <laughs> Oh my god. You keep gosh. you keep talking. I'm gonna look this up. You don't know what Quaxley is? The water starter from the new games? The little duck oh. with the little hat? Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what you're, I know what you're saying now. Yeah. Well, I, I guess one. it's not Quaxley. Let me rehear the flavor text one more time. Okay. Unless that's just Quaxley. the ultimate bait and switch right there. The water stored inside the tuft on its head is full of nutrients. Plants that receive its water grow large. Okay, I'm going to use some lifelines here. I'll start with what set is the card from? It's from Fusion Strike. Ooh, okay. So it is not Quaxley. <laughs> Unfortunately. 
Mm, interesting. The tuft on it for nutrients. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still want to lean towards a water type, but I don't know for sure. Let me go with what stage the card is. It is a basic Pokemon. Hmm. Now, I'm just go ahead and use my last well, one as a basic well. So. Yeah, yeah, but it's not Infusion Strike. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to use my last one. Is it? Hmm, do I want to lock that in? Could it be Ducklet? I don't think that... I don't think there's a Ducklet in Fusion Strike. I don't know that it's a water Pokemon. I think this one is like deceptively a water Pokemon, but it's actually like a bug type or something like that. Let me go with read and attack name. I'll use all three. I'm not going to pull ahead this week, but I can tie it up. <laughs> the attack name is Pry. Pry. What? Pry the flower open and drop some water in, some nutrients. Um, Jeez, that's not helpful at all. It doesn't sound like a water type. I mean, I guess pry sounds maybe more like a bug type attack or like a grass type attack, maybe. Could be a grass Pokemon trying to uh, give nutrients to flowers. The tuft on its head. What has a tuft on its head? Part of me wants to think maybe is it like Shaman or something like that? I don't does Shaman have a tuft on its head? Oh man. I kind of think there is a Shaman in. No, Shaman's <laughs> flavor text definitely says something about. I mean, this does say Shaman something about flowers. It says something about plants, though. It says something about yeah. plants, not flowers. I feel like Shaman's flavor texts all have stuff to do with flowers. All right, Chip. I'm going to have to end the clock out soon. Yeah, I know. Well. <laughs> I just don't know, man. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess Shaman. I don't think that's right. It's not Shaman. It is Panpour. Oh, my gosh. Let's have a little tuft on his head that he stores water in. Is it's literally a bulb of water on its head? No way. Yeah. And his attack <laughs> is pry. What is that attack name? It's, it's literally like, its only attack. Your opponent reveals their hand. Yeah, but it, uh, yeah, it's like supposed to be like pry, like um, like you know, uh, I didn't mean to pry. Yeah, I know but, what it's yeah. supposed to be. Oh, well. I thought you were being like prying, like prying something open. Well, yeah, I see that now because it because it, it reveals your, yeah, your you opponent's look at their hands. Hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I see what it does, bro. What a stupid Pokemon line. All right. Well, yeah. you bringing up Pampor is always a great time to remind everyone that this is Azul's <laughs> full art card right here. Simiseer V Star alternate art from Crown Zenith. That's Azul's theme card. All right, moving right along. Next up, there was a ton of cards revealed, and one of the probably the most talked about sets. Maybe will be one of the most impactful sense, sets since Rising Guardians. Is that the one where we got <laughs> Arbiter? Guardians Rising? Guardians Rising. Rising Guardians, Guardians Rising. Um, it feels like this is kind of uh, in line with that kind of level of potential meta uh, changing or game changing aspect when we got Garbodor. Yeah, did we really have something like that in the Sword and Shield era? Maybe Chilling Rain or Battle Style is one of those potentially, but um, it feels like maybe Sword and Shield just... It, I think a common theme of Sword and Shield was just like 
new card BDIF, new card BDIF. Yeah, and we didn't really see that in uh, Sun and Moon, so I don't know. Um, yeah, this set does seem very good, though. I mean, there's a lot of strong Pokemon, also some very strong trainer cards. It's kind of makes sense that they're going to front load a lot of the strong trainer cards for the generation yeah. in the first couple of sets, right? Um, I mean, we even saw that in Sword and Shield, like Scoop Up Net from Rebel Clash, Boss's Orders from Rebel Clash, Ordinary Rod, all those things were in the early sets, Ordinary Rod and Base Set. Um, and so we got a lot of that type of stuff. We didn't get every card revealed. The, the set is going to be featuring the um featuring champao and ting lu the treasures of ruin legendaries also chi yu was revealed but interestingly enough there was not a um not ting yu uh, wo chien wo chien's this other one's name we did not see the wo chien ex revealed so i don't know if that means wo chien one yeah the snail i don't know if that means wo chien just got left out but yeah these are the four legendaries um, that are not the box art legendaries that you can like encounter at the end of the game in Scarlet and Violet. Um, and they're also like all, save like, something, right? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of weird that um, it would be excluded almost. I also did see something funny where someone was like, I love the fact that they put all four of the Treasures of Ruin legendaries all together. And it was a picture of uh, Chien Pao, Ting Lu. Um, gosh, what's this one's name? It's right here. The little fishy guy. you you and uh and then it was a picture of squawkabilly ex <laughs> <laughs> i actually when i was like seeing like the stuff leaking and people had like the images i think that's what i saw actually um i took it i thought it was they were being serious Genuine, I, yeah i just I, I didn't play the video game so i thought squawkabilly was uh, just one of the, the Bro, legendary squawkabilly squad. is just a tiny little bird that doesn't even evolve it's like on par with chatot unlucky yeah. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Let's take a look at some of these some of these cards. The first one is the the Chi Yu EX basic EX Pokemon, uh, one ninety HP. The first attack, uh, for one fire energy, discard two cards from the top of your opponent's deck. So not very powerful. I, I was like, when I initially read, I was like, can there be a, a a mill deck made around this? I don't think so. Right? It's not milling enough. Yeah, not right cards. now. I mean, this is the same as Houndoom EX, and there were some yeah. like meh mill decks built around hound Dude, I lost, EX, right <laughs> i lost my winning in at the first ic the first london ic to hound do me x let's freaking it was awful so sick. <laughs> um and then second attack flame surge 100 damage choose up to three of your bench pokemon that's a lot of pokemon to choose search your deck for a basic fire energy and attach it attach one to each of those pokemon so it's a pretty powerful energy acceleration attack Two prize Pokemon, 190 HP, uh, and only 100 damage, though. Um, but I could see this being decent in some kind of fire deck, maybe. Yeah, this card is not bad. It's not bad. It's not amazing, but it's not bad. Um, and I think anytime you read a fire-type Pokemon, you instantly have to keep in mind that we have currently in the format one of the best stadium cards to ever be printed in the entire history of the game. But it's just <laughs> unfortunate because right now there's no great fire-type Pokemon to make use of it. So honestly, you could even look at Chiyu and be like, it's got 170 HP because I feel like the most likely use of this Pokemon is going to be turn one going second, bench this Pokemon, attach an energy, load an energy up onto it with the Magma Basin, retreat, and boom, hit for 100, potentially taking a prize turn one, not too bad, and then loading up your main attack or your main strategy of the deck. Now, I don't think there's yep. anything in the format right now that this makes a ton of sense with, um, 
I don't remember off the top of my head. The Arcanine EX. Ar yeah, I was that was what I was gonna say. But like Arcanine EX, I don't think is like insane, right? If I'm remembering right, it's like an right. okay card. Mm -hmm. Um, so this this is a type of card that it is worth like owning one of, right? But I don't think this is a card that's ever gonna be played in more than a one of quantity in your deck. It's like a very uh, I mean, okay if it's, card. If you're doing it like turn one, going second, you could play two or three of them. I could see like you playing like a higher count because like if you, if that's like a big part of your strategy, at least two. Um, so that way Maybe. you don't prize it, right? Like if you're trying to do it turn one every game. You gotta um, remember we got that go heavy second. ball, baby. Uh, nope. All right, moving on. <laughs> we got Caliber stage two. It's back. Deluge is back. Max Caliber stage two Pokemon 160 HP. Absolute zero. As often as you like during your turn, you may attach a basic water energy from your hand to one of your Pokemon. So it's uh I don't know how long has it been since we've had Deluge. It hasn't been too long, but it's back with Max Caliber. 2013 i think uh the the last yeah i guess water type deluge there's been other type deluge effects but yeah rain dance effects i guess you could say mm -hmm. more accurately if we're trying to date it all the way back but yeah absolute zero pretty solid ability i mean one of the strongest abilities right it's just locked on a stage two pokemon so i yeah. think that this type of card is obviously very good and can be really good in the format but it just depends on where the format is and also what attackers it has to power up and speaking of which i think just kind of i mean it feels very obvious right what they're throwing at us like they, <laughs> they gave us Back in the day, they gave us Blastoise and Keldeo EX in the same set, right? This almost feels even more blatant with the Chiampao EX. It's trembling cold ability. Once during your turn, if this Pokemon is in your active spot, you may search your deck for up to two basic water energy, reveal them, and put them into your hand. And then it has the Hail Blizzard attack, 60 damage, or 60 times discard any amount of water energy attached to all of your Pokemon. This attack does 60 damage for each card you discarded in this way. We've got yep. superior energy retrieval getting reprinted in Scarlet Violet base set. Um, energy we've recycler got as well. Energy recycler in the format. We've got Irida in the format as well. So like it's so incredibly easy to set up a backscalibur. You literally just have to play Irida on turn two, and you will have set up a backscalibur pretty much. I wonder um, if uh, Frostmoth will still be better though, because it is just kind of a well. Frostmoth rotates, so oh, it does. All right, we're going with backscalibur <laughs> then. But the backscalibur got lucky because if Frostmoth wasn't rotating, then we wouldn't be playing backscalibur. But yeah, team yeah. solid, right? Like one hit KO basically. I mean, it's definitely a one hit KO deck, but it is you know you can play other water Pokemon to kind of um tackle different matchups different situations but yeah it definitely has like the, the big potential is the fact that the chien pao can basically want to ko anything pretty reasonably too it feels like yeah i saw jake gearhart talking about this card on twitter with uh this deck it's the same attack as chien pao but it just costs two water and a metal but it's a one prizer the so, metal cost though yeah the, like that, that does make things a little more awkward but i mean we've got energy search i think stays in the format i know it's in scarlet Short and shield base. Uh, no, scrap it. This is, there's okay. no way this is it. There's no shot. Well, I guess you could use. Okay, maybe it's because you have you superior, use, right? You just have yeah, to find superior. a metal, and then you have access to it the rest of the game theoretically, yeah, yeah. right? All right, unscrap it. Well, it's like seems okay. <laughs> just scrap <a> it. <laughs> Jake just puts all his thoughts out there, but. All right, let's keep cruising. We've got uh, the Rabska. Also, shout outs Rabska. One of my absolute favorites gen 9 pokemon underrated pokemon for sure um, but it has similar to in the video game the revival blessing attack for a colorless searcher it's like a dung beetle with a mustache is that what this is yeah so scroll up to the top and look at reller this yeah, is I, I saw reller. yeah reller reller's 
a homie, to be honest. He's got his little skin. It's a dung mustache. beetle with a unibrow. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a unibrow though, or is that its skin? Is the question. No, I think it's not overthinking about. Just keep moving. Got, keep moving. Keep moving. He's keep got moving. a skin mustache, skin eyebrows. So Rabska. <laughs> 70 HP stage one for a one colorless energy. Choose a Pokemon from your discard pile and put it onto your bench. So this would like obviously like the power of this is you can get stage twos from a stage yes. one and put them on your bench. But you're having to set up a stage one that yeah. instantly gets KO'd and even your stage two could get KO'd. So I don't see this being very good. Um, just based on that, like stage twos aren't that hard to get out that you'd have to go through a stage one to get there. The only way this would be good is if it could get like multiple stage twos set up, but yeah. it doesn't quite do that. Totally agree. Exact same assessment I would give it as well. We've got Garganackle, stage two fighting type, blessed salt during Pokemon checkup, heal 20 damage from each of your Pokemon, and then knock hammer 130, discard a card from the top of your opponent's deck. Doesn't seem great. Really? I mean, healing 20 is a good ability from everything, right? And it's not capped to one per turn, but it's on a stage two. So, well, it's between checkups. So it'd be 40 theoretically, right? Yeah, it's during checkup, right? So it would be yeah. So it's between they hit times. you into your turn, you heal twenty. Go into your opponent's turn, you heal twenty. So I don't, I don't like if you could put a tank deck together. Like it's a stage two. That's the biggest like yeah, exactly. Like um, the, the cap. If it's a stage one, but if it's a stage one, I probably want to be heal twenty. But if you can I mean, get it set up and you can slow them down, tank it up. I think it's a possibility. Is Hatterini Vmax not just better? Doesn't that heal like thirty from everything? Oh, I'm misremembering. Yeah. Once during right. your turn, you may move up to two damage counters from yeah. your Pokemon to your opponent's active. And it is a VMAX Pokemon they have to set up as well. That's true, but it's a stage one. This is true. Um, <laughs> uh, next up, the whatever legendaries, Tinglu EX, 240, basic Pokemon again. It seems like they're trying to give some strength to basic EXs in this set a little bit, um, mm -hmm. but none of them seem actually that good, to be honest. Um, cursed, well, except the uh, Gen Pao was like, it seems okay, but like 220 HP getting that one at ko but you might be just trading back and forth overall anyways right um, yeah. so maybe the Kiram, maybe the Kiram is the move tinglu uh cursed ground finally seen it's been a little while what was that what's the last like ability control ability we've seen cursed ground if this pokemon is your active pokemon your opponent's pokemon Galarian with wheezing. Them, have no abilities that is true the wheezing Ex excluding pokemon ex though so anything with a damage counter on your opponent's side has no ability except excluding ex pokemon so it's just on all the support pokemon would be the main purpose of this and then fighting 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 150 put two damage counters on two of your opponent's bench pokemon uh, and we're also going to get that halucha that pings 10 damage to two to bench pokemon as well so you could like get a, a more yep. aggressive lockdown uh, on like your first turn even yeah so i actually at first i saw this card and i thought it was a, like really good because i didn't see that it said excluding pokemon ex and then <laughs> when it says excluding pokemon ex it's a little more questionable now most yeah. pokemon ex um that have abilities are going to be like the evolutions and stuff like that so maybe you can keep people off of that uh through a dis certain disruption supporter that we'll talk about in a little bit that's coming out in this set as well but i mean we can never forget the power of garbotoxin in like how often did garbotoxin in win you games azul right like it it, it is such a real wow. part of um the game and it's coming back so is this the best way <laughs> to do it? Crown if, end? If, this I don't is, know. if this is the best way to do it it's not the best but um <laughs> i mean the main way people are going to be trying to counter iono initially like i think we're going to see bibrel increase in play a decent amount right um this can turn that off this can turn off the back right if that deck is really good 
Um, Got to be playing a fighting deck, I think, is like the main problem. That is the main thing, right? Powering this guy up. 150 damage for three fighting is not the best. You do, of course, have the... What's up? We still keep stone energy. Is that still a... No, that rotates. All those special energy rotate from sword and shield, I think. Um, But uh, you can use this with the Coridon EX, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's like probably the way to power this up. But even that is kind of clunky because you got to get two fighting Pokemon in play turn one and get two fighting energy in the discard pile. Granted, that's just like an Ultra Ball plus a Nest Ball away from happening, but it's still kind of a bet, right? Yeah. And uh, speaking of the non-legendary legendary, uh, (laughs) Squawkabilly. Bro, you wanted to talk about the Dunsparce. Bro, we got to talk about the Dunsparce. Oh, it's why it takes four colorless energy. <laughs> Bro, do you know what Lugia does? All right, all right. Talk the, done. What, do you know what basic Pokemon Lugia already plays in their deck? Right, talk, talk to Dunsparce. <laughs> the Dunsparce is not amazing, but it is. <laughs> gonna let the dunsparce go if you make us if you make us read mouse house i'm done or mouse hold this one's bad if i remember right yeah 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 so is the dunsparce okay all right i'm coming around i thought about it for a second all right go ahead yeah so this the dunsparce the evolution of dunsparce you see this is where i thought you were going as well when you said legendary pokemon because i mean look at this guy absolutely (laughs) it's like two dunsparce (laughs) yeah you can say it's a the dunsparce wait i kind of want to see yeah, <laughs> look at the the Japanese text. It's literally just another little tick of the <laughs> the backward C looking character. <laughs> just another one in there. Um, just another duh. So it's a stage one. It evolves from Dunsparce, obviously, and it's got the sudden flash attack for four colorless. It deals 100 damage and your opponent's active Pokemon is now paralyzed. And you have to shuffle this Pokemon and all cards attached to it into your deck. Now, yes, it does cost four energy cards, but like I mentioned when Ozula and I started talking about this, Lugia decks will probably already be playing Dunsparce. This is a stage one that evolves from Dunsparce, and we've seen even in this format how strong just one turn of paralysis can be. And it's not even like you're having to sacrifice an a bunch of energies onto this thing because they all just get shuffled right back into the deck anyway for you to primal turbo again the next turn so this card yep. is not amazing it's not going to function as a deck on its own but i think that this is absolutely a card that could and potentially will be played in lugia decks yeah, look out for those the dunsparce i'm not as sold on the the dunsparce but i mean it could be yeah yeah i mean even just as a one of i guess if you already have the dunsparce why not to done you know what i'm saying if you're already if you're already done sparsing go ahead into done now i get to talk about my card, Squawkabilly <laughs> EX. And this actually might, out of the EXs we've talked about so far, this one will probably have the most play. It's not its own deck by itself. I think Chien Pao seems like the strongest one to make like an archetype around. But Squawkabilly is pretty powerful um, as a support Pokemon. Squawkabilly EX, 160 HP. And then you get to the ability. On your first turn of the game, you may discard your hand and draw six cards. You can't use more than one lively draw ability during your turn. So we're getting some big Dedenne vibes from the Billy, but it is only on the first turn of the game. That's it. You can't use it past uh, anything about that. So it does seem like they're trying to give some uh, some kind of push for like turbo decks, but not to the point where the turbo decks can't potentially fizzle out um, towards the mid and late game. We don't have just like Dedenne after Dedenne after Dedenne, right? Because the uh, then the attack gives it a little bit of extra for that early game potential with the energy flow for one colorless, 
uh, 20 damage attachments, two basic energy from just about 20 or Pokemon, right? So I think it's overall like a really good support Pokemon. I think it's a really balanced support Pokemon uh, in the TCG. Yeah, I think it's really funny how we've gotten to this point where we've scaled so far back from Shaman EX, right? We had Shaman EX, fill your hand up to six, and you could use like that's it. Just Again, fill your hand up to one. six. You could do another one, another one, another one. <laughs> scoop up net, super, super scoop up, another one. Just keep it going. And then we uh, scaled that back. We had the Dedenne GX, which was still really, really powerful, but you can only use one per turn. And you did discard your hand and draw six. So it's a little different in that aspect as well. This one is discard your hand, draw six, but it's something that you can use at any point in your turn. So you can like early yeah. on nest ball for it. And then you can play research, play a bunch of cards, do a bunch of things, and then use the lively draw to draw some more cards. Um, but you, like you said, can only do it on that first turn. So um yeah, I think the obvious comparison is to the Shamans and the Dedenes of the past, but this card just feels different, right? I mean, all three of the cards are just kind of different, though they are similar. Um, and I think this one has one of the stronger attack options as well, because sometimes, like, if you're going through your deck, if you're going second especially, like, you're going to discard a couple energy cards, and some decks may even want... Like, I could definitely yeah. see a deck exist that wants to go second with their squawk ability and, and and aims to use energy flow turn one just to try to yeah. set up their attackers. Maybe something like Tenglu EX or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, something that definitely. costs a lot of energy naturally. So, yeah, this card is very, very strong. Definitely something you're going to want to pick one, maybe two up, probably two. just one. I no, do if think... That's <laughs> you Dude, always you use just heavy play ball, one. bro. You just play one. You've got no, freaking heavy ball. It's fine. But, but I can't ultra ball for heavy ball for squawk ability. <laughs> Listen, your odds of prizing it two times in a best of three are not that high, right? And the odds and for it to be prized in like you have like a broken squawk ability ball. deck that always wins when you use your squawk ability. We gotta win the games where we prize some billies. Listen, gotta, two, I, if also, your engine is Billy, then you gotta play two. I'm hoping that this is not going to be a situation as well where, like, we saw with Tapu Lele, we saw with uh, Dedene, we saw with Shaman. Like, when these cards came out, they were all, like, $30, $40 upon release. The fact that this is a limited once per game thing, like, hopefully this is not going to be super crazy and hard to get yeah, I don't think it on, will. Right, so. Yeah. You're playing, like, one Billy, maybe two. Probably two Billy in, like, the dedicated Billy decks. Probably one, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> two heavy ball. <laughs> Hey, listen, man, you got to get your Ting Lu's out of the prizes, too. <laughs> <laughs> Turbo Ting, let's get it. <laughs> All right, moving on. Everyone's actually, you know, I was kind of disappointed when I saw this, uh, this one released because when I looked at what rotation looked like and kind of how we were limited with the Pokemon recovery that we had and it was all supporter based, I was like, hmm, that's kind of cool. Maybe we're entering a format where instead of you know, judging your opponent for turn or gusting for turn, you have to make the tempo play of setting up and like playing a Miriam for turn to recover your Pokemon. But then they were like, nah, we're reprinting or super rod <laughs> and uh, everyone can recover their Pokemon super aggressively again. So we're kind of, it kind of is, has been a staple for a while to have some aggressive Pokemon recovery card. Uh, the Rescue Stretchers just lost Ordinary Rod, which is probably the most powerful of all of the, well, Rescue Stretcher is the most powerful, and then I think it's Ordinary Rod. We're going back to a little bit, scale it back a little bit to the Night Maintenance slash Super Rod. Um, and yeah, Super Rod reprint. Yeah, this is an interesting one as well because it says, uh, it does not say up to, I should say. So like Ordinary Rod, you had kind of the agency of choosing just one Pokemon or just one energy card, right? Depending on the situation. But this, you yep. are forced to put three cards back into your deck, which yep. most of the time is going to be fine. Most of the time you're going to want to be recovering three things, but there are going to be situations that come up where you just need one Pokemon 
but you're forced to put back like two energy cards or something like that because it is yep. mandatory. So yeah, I would have liked to have seen night maintenance be the print instead because night maintenance actually says up to, but super rod is mandatory to do all of them. Um, I feel like so it's, it's kind of almost... interesting. I don't know why they didn't like update that, uh, but it has to have been intentional, right? Because that's a change yeah. that happened for a lot of cards in the sword and shield era is that they got that little up to text added on. I feel like it's almost a better thing because that it, it it's better when it like the card is more broken when it says up to right. Sure. Um, I feel like the flexibility it's so marginal, right? Yeah, but then why is it why is it bad that it's not there? I feel like the flexibility adds to sometimes stuff being too powerful because like, I feel giving the players more choices is better. I mean, look at fuel blower though. Fuel blower is broken. No one should ever want fuel blower reprinted. That thing was insane. It could do. It could get rid of everything. Like, and it could get rid of your side and their side and up to two. Like, it was just absurd. Um. I think flexibility sometimes is not uh, a good thing for the game. Um, and you should have to like play around the possibility of having to put more back into your deck um, in these kind of situations. So I actually like super odd, not being an up to card. All the up to stuff was kind of like, it almost felt like it was like a safety net where it's like being forced to, to do an action that doesn't have a bunch of variables you can choose from almost makes it like harder to know when and how to play the card. Sometimes I feel like, so it's, it's just like, sometimes it feels like the flexibility is good. Sometimes it feels like it's bad in terms of like the overall uh, gameplay of the game. So I actually, I actually like the way they did super odd this time around. Sure. Obviously an incredibly powerful card. Definitely something you're going to yep. want to have uh, plenty of decks will choose to play it. Yeah. I similarly would have been fine kind of seeing what a format looked like for a few months with just Miriam as your best yeah. Pokemon recovery option. <laughs> just kind of seeing what that looked like. Clara. Um, yeah. Clara, right. is probably a little bit better, I guess, but, um, but yeah, then we can move on to the charm of courage. So this is a direct reprint of the uh, Cape of toughness, with the exception of Cape of Toughness does exclude Pokemon GX. Charm yep. of Courage does work with Pokemon GX. And also, this is the first tool card that we're talking about. Of course, tools <clears throat> with Scarlet and Violet's release will all receive just a universal errata to where they are now their own category of trainer cards. So there's four different types of trainer cards now. Items, tools, supporters, and stadiums. All four different. Yeah, I mean, this kind of hints a little bit maybe at something happening with Expanded, the fact that they made this usable on GX Pokemon. That's the only thing I can think about. Um, but I don't know, maybe Charm of Courage is a thing in the game, and they're like, we want to make a Charm of Courage card. And it's like, okay, we want to give basically one plus 50 HP. Either way, I think it's a good thing. I think it, I think KP Toughness was a cool card. I think Charm of Courage seems like a pretty cool card. Um, kind of fits the... I mean, like some of these basic EXs that we were just talking about, which it seems like these, that's what this set is about, basic EXs. I mean... Ting Lu can have 290 HP. Like, that's a lot. And then, I, mean, I guess there's we are getting the Rocky chest plate, or what's it called? Something chest plate? Yeah. Uh, which means you take minus 30 damage. So I guess you'd have to choose between whichever those, depending on what the other good decks in the meta are. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good card. I'm glad it's uh, coming back. Yeah, solid card to keep around. I almost wonder if, like, the fact that it says there's nothing on here about GX is, is, is it more a sign that there's an update coming to expanded or is it more a Hopefully. sign of expanded going away? Hopefully either one, <laughs> either <laughs> or one. is it more than likely big update. not a sign at all. And expanded is going to stay unchanged. As long as that's, not that's probably what it is. As long as there's not expanded regionals, if things stay that unchanged, I'm down. <laughs> um, interesting supporter card in the next one, Grusha. Um, so this would actually like kind of combos with, uh Chien Pao. Um draw until you have five cards in your hand. If you have no energy cards attached to any of your Pokemon, draw until you have seven cards instead. This supporter, I actually think it's not going to be a staple. We don't need every supporter to be a staple, but I actually think this one's like a pretty solid supporter. 
Yeah, this card. Registered. This card's okay. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think like so. One of the comparisons I saw someone make is like think about all the decks that use um like just one energy a turn decks right so like think of something like mew obviously this is not a card that would be played in mew but like using that as an example like think back to something like night march right like a deck that puts a double turbo in play or a double colorless night march. what about mad party you're just gonna forget about i mean yeah we are we are gonna <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of reaching back you've about lost lost march like come on man azul azul let's be real brother let's be real Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think this card is okay, but even in those decks, like, there's just better draw options. Like, you have to choose mm. to play this over Research and over Iono, right? Like, you're you're taking away a deck Boom. spot from one of those two supporters more than likely, because you don't really want to play more than eight dedicated draw supporters, most likely, right? Um, We've been up there sometimes where we go, like, eight. Like, I remember, like, Weezing used to play eight supporters were plus way four slower, but Yeah, I mean, this is a yeah. this is a fine, this is a very fine supporter card. It I think if probably... you're the aggressive deck, then this makes sense, maybe, over something like Iona. Yeah. I mean, I think there will be a deck at some point that uses this card, but I, I think this card is far from, like, you know, amazing yeah. top tier by any means. Oh, yeah, of course. But I think, it, I think it, it, it has that potential to be that that filler supporter for sure, which is cool to see. And then probably the most talked about card from any of these reveals, amongst the players at least, is Iono. I mean, even the collectors too. Yeah, I mean, they haven't revealed the full art yet, but <laughs> when they do, uh, <laughs> Iono. Each player shuffles their hand and puts it on the bottom of their deck. Then each player draws a card for each of their remaining prize cards. Marnie goes so that Iono can thrive. This is a combo of, of course, the Marnie card that we saw in the Sword and Shield era, and then N, which we had through the Black and White and Sun and or Black and White and X and Y era, a little bit into Sun and Moon. Get a little break. Yeah, and then yeah. Uh, so yeah, we've talked about comeback cards in the past, and we've talked obviously about how at Worlds they said they wanted to introduce comeback cards into the game, and I think this is probably one of the strongest ways they could have possibly done that because now. When you're playing a game of the Pokemon TCG, you're really never truly out of it <laughs> because yeah. there's always the chance you can Iono your opponent to just one single card. Um, but we do have to talk about the differences here. So longtime players, obviously, you know, N was played for forever, was a staples card. Every deck played at least one in when Versus Seeker was around. Pre-Versus Seeker, most decks played three or four in in them. So, yeah, where does Iono kind of stand amongst the disruption supporters is this stronger than marnie but worse than in is this better than in what do you think azul and also like how do you feel about this for just the general health of the game and the fact that we have this comeback mechanic now are you okay with this being the comeback mechanic yeah i'm definitely fine with it i definitely liked the i know i wasn't a huge fan of marnie's like you go first you do a little bit they marnie you, you dead draw the game's over so i wasn't a huge fan of that from marnie but i did i was a fan of the shuffle your hand put on the bottom of your deck because um, it definitely was some interactions with your deck of like how to properly uh, sequence after something like that happened. Um, whether you want to access those cards or don't want access to those cards, or you think your opponent wants access to their cards or doesn't want access to or doesn't want access to them. So I was definitely a big fan of that aspect. I'm glad that is. Uh, I I'm like okay with that being on this card as of right now. Like that seems fine. If they had just like straight up reprinted N, I would have been fine with that as well. I don't think it specifically makes one stronger than the other. Um, it just makes them different for the most part. I think you could maybe make, you could argue that you could definitely make some more informed plays with Iono than you could with N for sure. sure. Uh, it's definitely just going to be like a different kind of way to play around it 
Um, and I think there is, of course, going to be the people talking about the toxicity of the card um, overall. Like a lot of people didn't like getting into one, but I definitely think um, the better players win percentage was higher when N was a card, when being N to one was a thing. So that kind of only says that instead of complaining about getting Iono to one, you should probably just get better around playing getting Iono to one or Ioning, knowing when to Iono your opponent to one. Um, we also need to figure out a better th- better name to call Iono than Iono. There has to be something we call it like I was yeah. calling it Ono. Oh I called it Ono oh on the stream earlier because like, oh no, you're getting Ono oh to one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh definitely no. stealing that. Oh no, Iono oh to no. one. Oh no to one. Um, um, so, yeah, I'm not I'm looking for forward to having for to say this card on stream for years. <laughs> We're gonna be saying Iono for years. Um, but yeah, I mean, this card is obviously incredibly strong. Um, I don't know. I think that there's pros and cons to like the disruption comeback also being just a good draw supporter, right? Like, for example, with Marnie, more than often, the ways that people... I think the reason Marnie is so frustrating, um, and people, I think, get less frustrated with something like Roxanne, because it can only be used at the end of the game. It's, like, specific times. Um, But, like, so with Marnie, for example, I think the reason... One of the reasons everyone got so frustrated with it was because your opponent isn't even trying to disrupt you most of the time. Sometimes they yeah. just need to draw cards and the yeah. best support <laughs> they would rather play a research is, is just that. Yeah. But it's like, all I've got is Marnie. So I'm going to play yeah. this Marnie and then you get four <laughs> cards. Oh, Oh no, you're screwed. You lose the game <laughs> in three turns. So, um, yeah. But, so Oda will remove some of that. And I think that's that. I think that'll feel better. Right. Like I think feel like more people complained about let loose than they ever did end to one right because let loose people would do on the first turn of the game you get a four card hand and it just wouldn't be enough to get going right yeah um but with ono um the early Bro, you gotta call it iono you just gotta get used to it it's iono we're not on this podcast gonna start calling this thing ono <laughs> with your early onos you're drawing six Stop. or five <laughs> cards that plus one card could be a big deal right yeah definitely no yeah it, it definitely I don't know. And there's something to be said. Like, so like, obviously I think Roxanne was not quite strong enough. Right. Because yeah, it wasn't. You, you basically get one turn to Roxanne someone and it's a really strong card. They only get two, you get six, but if they just get out of that, that one single turn, the game is probably over. But if you have Iono, you can play it three turns in a row. Potentially you can, Iono them to four. Iono them to three. Iono them to two. Iono to one, even potentially, at the end of the game and then give yourself that many more chances to, to try to come back. So um, yeah, I think what you brought up as well is like with a card like this in the format, the better player wins more often because especially in a format like this, where, I mean, at least currently games, a lot of times are lasting four to five turns. Maybe this will make games last a little bit longer because you're going to disrupt and slow down. Or if someone does get off to a quick start, you at least, can cut the game short from ending on that, yeah. you know, fourth or fifth turn. You give yourself seven, eight turns to potentially try to come back in. Yeah, and I think what we saw, like what we saw with Marnie, well, well, I think what we see in the game in general, it's really hard to balance a comeback supporter being good enough to play enough or often enough because the the deck space that it takes up doesn't really make up for the fact that uh, you have the potential to come back. Like with Roxanne, if you play one Roxanne, uh, you, like, you can't ever play like two rocks in your deck or playing three rocks in your deck. Your deck just gets too clunky so fast, right? But Ono is a combination of an early game draw supporter and a late game and a, a mid game disruption card and a late game comeback card, which seems like a lot. 
but it makes the card actually it's like it's really hard to find that sweet spot in pokemon i think reset stamp was also pretty good about that though um because it was an item card so it allowed you to make more aggressive comeback plays where you could gust yeah. plus reset stamp or just draw with research plus reset stamp so it allowed you to be more aggressive on your end which made up for the fact that in the early game reset stamp effectively did nothing right yeah but I think, so I think being... marnie is like the marnie and let were like the the worst of them because it didn't it wasn't like super disruptive in the late game There's, you could do some well-timed marnie some well-timed let looses but most of the time it's just frustrating because when you got it used against you on turn one you just never got to play the game to begin with but with ono you're always going to be able to, everyone's going to get to play more Pokemon. And then you also just have that late game comeback potential that you have to play around and play into on both sides. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think something like reset stamp is maybe, I think it's a little too strong for something like a control deck. Right. Because, well, I think like if we had like reset stamp plus Inteleon, that would have been really bad, but reset stamp in the format that it was in, I think was like fine. I mean, I think that that's also the format that control was the best it's ever been. So what was that Pidgey control? Do we have recess? Yeah. Yeah. Pidgey so control wasn't that good. Though. It didn't even beat Mewtwo. Yeah, but we also had it in Zorak, Zoro control as well. And Pidgey did beat Mewtwo. That's expanded. You, How can you, you definitely like... you, you sacked Grant so hard in that Atlantic City finals for sure. And then in top eight again <laughs> in Knoxville, like just every time I play against him, I'm just always sacking him, I guess. <laughs> that's what he would say, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I think overall, <laughs> I'm a fan of the Iono coming yeah. into the game. I think it's a think, plus. Yeah, it's definitely a plus, and hopefully, I mean, I think that the format is not the best right now, but it's also not the worst it's been in the last three or four years. So we got to see what we haven't even played in rotation yet. That like, is true as well, and that's um, actually something else I wanted to talk about with this. Is it? I think. I hate the release schedule. I cannot stand the fact <laughs> that we see these cards before we even get the cards that they're currently playing with. Like it's yeah. so far removed. And they now really we're going to have, it's like we we're taught we're, we're going to finally start playing with our Scarlet and Violet base set cards. But Japan is already like so many levels past that. Um, it's not even like, well, we can use so like, the big thing is like we can use that information, but we never got to experience the Maridon or the Tina V star hype, right? Like those are the two best decks from everything that I saw going into the first big Japanese tournament. And then there was one Giratina in top 16, zero Maridon, right? But we never got to experience those cards being good or like going through the process of like making good lists with them and playing them. And now we're just kind of on the other side of that already. And it's like, oh, Maridon's not even good. Why would you even pick them up, right? Which kind of sucks. Like we don't even get to like experience that development of the format. Although I do think once everyone gets access to the cards there's there's always going to be players who find things that other players didn't find um and be able to you know come up with new and cool decks but it would be really nice to just be on the same page and be able to kind of go through it together yeah i mean and i don't even necessarily think it needs to be a global release but like I mean, that'd be pretty go good though that'd be optimal, it would right? be great it would be great but it's a, a lot harder logistically like the cards are made by two different companies right like just send them the send them the the image and just be like, here you go. Just start putting them at the same time. It it's can't easy be that to hard. say. It's easy to say like that, but then like you think of the logistics of organizing things between two different languages, right? Like to, you send them uh, an email just... <laughs> with the images, and then listen, they just put them in listen. the factory. Like it can't. No, it can't it, we're at such a big this like it feels like we're getting closer. They definitely need to sync us up eventually. Think about if it went that fast. Think about how many translation issues there would be. There's no way they couldn't get it correct. They have, they have to have, there could there definitely be someone who just speaks both languages on both sides fluently and they could communicate. If not, they can hire someone. They're Pokemon. They can, they can pay for it. Like, I feel okay, like there's no sure. reason that it won't get there eventually, right? That we'll have this synced. 
Yeah, this but feels people like we're have been pretty far separated. For, for as like, long as I've been playing the game, people have been talking about. Yeah, us but what are we like separated release. by? Like, when did they get Scarlet Violet? Two months ago? A month ago? Two months ago. It was like yeah. the day that Crown Zenith came out for us. It was like February. Yeah. Early February, I think. Like two months of probably, or it feels like yeah, two months. And it's coming there. out in April first for us. Or yeah, and we already 31st. see they're already getting. We saw the triple beat. They're getting triple beat already. Yeah. We've seen all the triple beat, and now we're seeing some of uh, Snow Hazard and Clay Burst, right? It's, it feels so separate. Like, it feels so disconnected. They need to, like, get us on the same schedule, At hopefully. least within a couple weeks, I think. Yeah. yeah. Great, but... I mean, okay, that would be fine, too. Like, if they got us within, like, two weeks, sure. That's effectively, like, same. Same, what's it called? But, um... Right, but yeah, I else? think this is setting up to be a really impactful set. This is the the set that will be legal for NAIC most likely. Yeah. We haven't it's even seen be... that much of the cards. This is not even that many of the cards because it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be like 142 cards between the, their two sets. So we this is actually not that. There still could be a lot more good stuff in here as well. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, good old what's it called? Oh, we got Lord Billy. Gian we're good. <laughs> we got to get the got... slug in here. Now we got Billy. We're good. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall looking to be a very good set so far. So. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what else <laughs> comes out from it. But I think Azul, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Thanks so much to everyone for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed as always. Uh, and if you did, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or a comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel, all those things. Small little things that just take you a couple seconds to do that are totally free for you to do as well. But help us out so, so very much. We really would appreciate it. If you do want to continue to stay in touch with us and stay up to date with what is happening with us, you can, uh, the best place to do that is over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie, Azul at Azul underscore GG. And you can also follow the Uncommon Energy podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Thanks for the support. As always, good luck to anyone going to uh, Charlotte this weekend. Uh, and catch y'all next Tuesday, 7 a.m. Eastern, as always. Peace.